Good morning, everybody. Um, today, obviously, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Kobe Bryant and uh, just the sadness of that whole scenario. Um, I know many of you who listen to the show know that I do take the NBA to task, and I have taken them to task. And my opinion on Kobe Bryant has nothing to do with my opinion of the NBA. They're two separate things. Uh, and I want to go into my thoughts on the entire Kobe Bryant situation, just the absolute tragedy that had unfolded um, earlier Sunday morning when his helicopter crashed, um, killing everybody on board. I believe the total was nine people. Um, terrible. Um, multiple children were killed, including Kobe Bryant's daughter. I'm sure this is nothing that you probably don't already know if you're even in tune to listening to my program, I know everybody has been obviously following this entire story. Uh, my heart goes out to all those families involved, uh, the Bryant family, uh, the families of the other, um, the other children. I know one family of, uh, one of the, uh, daughter, uh, the mother and the father were killed and left behind two children that, obviously is a terrible, terrible scenario. Um, this whole thing has just been an absolute shock to everyone. I think everyone in the country has come together and really realizing how quickly life can stop. And, uh, I think the best thing we can learn from all of this is just that, is that you don't know when your time is going to come. You have no idea. Um, I mean, looking at Kobe Bryant's life, it looked like he had found a love for basketball again with his daughter, Gigi, and everything was going smoothly. He was, in all accounts, a great father, a great person off and on the court. Um, he was really giving back to the community of L.A., and then just like that, he's gone. So I think if anything that we can learn from this entire scenario is that you have to treat life as being precious. You can't sit back and just assume you're going to make it all the way to live to 100 years old. Even the healthiest, even the legends among us can pass away extremely quickly because life is fickle. Life can end very, very quickly. But uh, ultimately, what I do want to do is I do want to tell, um, I think everyone's been giving uh, a Kobe Bryant story um, of theirs that they really like. And, and that they really enjoy, um, or just a moment of Kobe Bryant. Uh, mine's a little bit more personal, though I never met Kobe Bryant personally. Um, I was probably about six or seven years old um, and watching Kobe. So I, I, was, I was born in, in 1994, right? So Kobe got in the league late 90s. He's 17. I was six or seven at this point when watching him play. Um, you know, professionally, you know, in the, in the first couple years in the NBA, I loved watching Kobe Bryant play. He was the first person who I ever got a jersey from, a first NBA player I ever got a jersey. So I still have a number eight Lakers jersey somewhere. It's probably a junior kid size jersey somewhere. My mom has it saved for me, I believe, back home. Anyway, I got the jersey. And I loved Kobe. I would play in the backyard. Um, 
in our in our driveway shooting hoops. I always wore the jersey when I was outside shooting. I'm sure tons of kids did the same thing growing up in the same time frame I did. And uh, finally, my grandpa, and I believe my dad was there too, but I know my grandpa was there 100%. Uh, my grandpa's a huge basketball fan, and uh, he knew how much I loved watching Kobe. So he got me tickets to see Kobe Bryant and the Lakers play in Cleveland. So I'm from Pittsburgh. So Cleveland's about you know two hours, two and a half hours away. So this was like a big deal for me. I was, you know, six, seven years old. I was finally going to go see an NBA game for the first time. I was going to drive two hours away to see Kobe take on Cleveland. And we get there and the seats are fantastic. I don't know how my grandpa got these seats, but they were pretty much maybe five rows off the floor, something like that. And I can remember standing the whole time, jumping up and down the whole time, cheering the whole time, and then also sharing that whole memory with my grandpa and my dad, I believe, who was there, is just a special moment. And that moment wouldn't have been possible, for to me anyway, without Kobe. If I if Kobe was never on this planet, that whole moment would have never happened. I probably would have never found the love for basketball at a young age. I would have never got to experience going to an NBA game because when you grow up in Pittsburgh, a town that doesn't have an NBA team, it's a very, it's a really big disconnect. A lot of people are Cleveland fans like de facto, but there's that heated rivalry between the city of Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And then there's some people that are, you know, 76ers fans, but honestly people kind of don't understand how far away Pittsburgh is from Philadelphia. Like it's about six hours away. It's on the entire other side of the state. And we don't like Philadelphia. We just don't. So no one really in my circles was ever a 76ers fan. Some people were Cleveland fans. But then again, right, I just couldn't be a Cleveland fan because I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. Like Those words just don't go together. So when I chose basketball fans, there were always basketball teams from somewhere that wasn't anywhere near where I lived. And that's kind of how... One, I fell in love with Kobe and then fell in love with the Lakers and then Shaq and then all that stuff. Um, watching that team play was when I was young was was fun. I mean, obviously, I don't understand the game as much as I do, say, now as opposed to then, but it was still a, a fun time. Uh, but so that memory I have with my grandpa, who is getting older, and now I'm older, lots a lot's older than, than that whole trip, and being able to see Kobe Bryant play live, um, I think, is is something that a lot of people maybe didn't get the experience. I know I was super young, and everything in that story I told you, like, I can't remember the score. I can't remember how many points Kobe Bryant dropped in that game. I'm sure I could look it up. But, I mean, I was young. But I only remember that story because we were only going to see one person. Right? Like, the rest of the Lakers team didn't matter to me. Or my grandpa. We were going to see one person. That person was Kobe Bryant. And that story of me having that moment with my grandpa and my dad and just the excitement of being young and going out there and seeing an idol. You know, like I said, I used to wear the jersey in my driveway and shoot hoops constantly, right? Going to see an idol at a young age, right? When you hold these guys to this high standard 
of they matter so much to you. It's like meeting a God, right, in real life. And and, and I don't mean that blasphemy. I, I mean that is like that's the, how you put these guys on a pedestal um, at a young age. They're just role models. And that's what Kobe Bryant was to so many people. He was a role model, people that found love for the game of basketball because they watched him play. And and I know there were a lot of ups and downs through Kobe's career off and on the court with like the relationship dissolving with Shaq and then the controversy stuff that happened in Denver and all that. But really when it all came back, when he finished and retired, right, and the way he handled himself as he matured, right, because a, a lot of times we have to remember, right, Kobe was 17 when he came into the league. 17 years old, his father had to sign his contract. He wasn't even old enough to sign his own NBA contract, right? This, it's so much to force on a 17-year-old's mind. He went from being just a kid in high school to playing in the NBA and making millions of dollars and then became one of the most famous players ever. He had shoe deal after shoe deal after all types of lucrative money-making ability at such a young age. like, And we held him to the standard that he could never make a mistake. And and I think when you have to you think about that, and you think about all the money and all the success and all the fame that came to him at such a young age, that he was able to stay relatively, for the most part, relatively scot-free. And I understand you know, the controversy and all that. But when you say... When you think about all of it in the great in the greater scheme, right? He was able to maintain a career and maintain just a a feel for himself where he didn't get in trouble a lot. He was in LA from the beginning. I mean, imagine being a 17-year-old millionaire in Los Angeles. I mean, that is insane. The amount of trouble that he could have got into that he did not is is insane, and that is an, uh, applauding him, apl- applauding his upbringing, uh, applauding the way he's handled himself, especially when he when he retired. How every account for everything I've read so far this week has just stated how great of a father he was, and how really when he retired, he didn't even watch basketball, and the only reason he really got back into watching basketball again was because of his daughter Gigi, who also passed away, and. And God rest both their souls, but that, but that's really what got him back going to basketball games again, and talking about basketball, and then coaching her team as well, and even the the helicopter debacle, like how he even got involved in having a helicopter, really stemmed from him just trying to be a better father. If uh, I don't know if you watched the interview talking about the helicopter, or I just watched it yesterday. But really, he got a helicopter because he had his training facility, which was about 15 minutes away from his house via helicopter. If he were to drive with LA traffic, it could be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour or more to get to his training facility and back. So he really started using the helicopter to get to the training facility. And it wasn't about getting to the training facility on time. He said in the interview, Kobe did, that it was more about being able to be home before his kids needed picked up from school so that he could go get in the car, wait in the carpool line and pick up his daughters from school because that mattered more to him 
than anything. And he said, when I was playing, while I was, you know, at home uh, doing the home games, like this was my routine because when I was going to go and, and, you know, do the, the road games, I was going to be gone for, you know, a couple days at a time. And I was trying to get every minute I could with my kids. And honestly, and I'm, and I, and I have nothing else to take him at his word for that. I mean, that is impeccable. And I hope we can all do stuff like that. I hope we can all be better parents. Like the role model setting that he's put into young kids growing up, wanting to be basketball players, those kids growing up and becoming adults, and then and then teaching those same kids that watched him play as they grow up and become adults. He really set the standard on how to be a father as well. And I think that is so important in today's society it, for all walks of life, just learning how to be a great parent. Right. And it, and it was humble. It was a humble process of him becoming a great parent. And, 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 and even the whole helicopter thing stems from him just trying to be a better parent, which is so terribly ironic. But again, there's nothing I can say more than Kobe Bryant personally touched my life and gave me personal memories with my family. And that's something that I can't really say for anybody else, right? Maybe, maybe besides, maybe besides the Pittsburgh Steelers organization that, that I only have memories with my family through them, but really it's that, that organization, which is why I love that organization so much. And then Kobe Bryant, who also gave me a moment with my family. So there's not much I, else I can really say on that other than my thoughts and prayers go out to all the families affected. I mean, we have to really think of this as a grand scheme. I understand Kobe Bryant's his fame and his lore and all of that is driving so much attention on him and his family at this time. But I also want to say my heart goes out to every single person who was in that crash and to their families. And I just hope that, you know, everybody is able to find peace in this whole terrible, terrible uh, scenario and, and just keep moving forward. And, and, and the learning lesson again for all of us is that, Life can end quickly. Don't hesitate to tell someone how you feel about them, how you care about them. Tell your loved ones that you care about them because it could just be just quick and no, and you don't know. You don't know when it's coming. Like life has an extremely uh, fast way of humbling everybody. So just remember that moving forward. All right. I wanted to start the show with that because I felt like I had to. And and there's there's no other way around it. When you do sports talk and stuff like this happens, you just have to talk about it. And 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 I and I wanted to. I wanted to give my piece on it. Again, I'm not a Kobe Bryant expert. I just gave you my thoughts on him and how he affected my life. But what I am going to do now is I'm going to transition um gracefully transition and talking about the Super Bowl, I know it's really hard to do that. I know it's really hard to go from talking something very morbid, very sad, and move on to the next conversation. But you know, I'm, I'm I don't want to, you know, beat um, something to you know, you know, to talk about something so much that no one really wants. You know, it, it, it's already being told in the news so much. I don't want to have to retell a same story that everyone's been talking about and everyone's been listening about because one, it is sad. And two, I want everyone, you know, everyone mourns differently. Everybody has their, their different opinions on the matter. I just wanted to give my piece on it and then move forward. So I'm going to talk about the Super Bowl now. And uh, 
just some interesting things that I think, you know, moving forward into this week, because this is Super Bowl week, you know, the, the media's coverage is going to flip, and we're going to talk about this matchup coming up this Sunday. So it's Kansas City and San Francisco. I think, personally, Kansas City is going to win this game. I I didn't want to give you guys all my predictions right away, and I will break it down as we move later into this week, but I just don't see any way possible, really, besides Patrick Mahomes either having a terrible game or throwing multiple interceptions that they lose this game. Their offense, I think, and that's probably the best matchup, really, to watch, is Kansas City's offense versus San Francisco's defense. And I just think their offense is way too explosive to stop. I think a lot of people are putting a lot of, like, respect on the San Francisco defense, which is true. I would put a lot of respect on that defense as well. But ultimately, that defense, their front seven is amazing, but when you get to the back end, that's where things start to get a little less amazing. I understand Richard Sherman's had an amazing postseason, and he's taken a lot of a lot of pressure from, from a lot of people telling him he's not a true number one corner, this, that, and the other. Listen, Richard Sherman is an older guy in the league. Okay, I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not saying that he's, you know, washed up. That's not true at all. I'm saying he's an older guy in this league, meaning his elite speed is probably not there as much as it was when he was younger, especially after tearing his Achilles. His speed is still okay. He can still make plays. We've seen him make plays before. But you can't ask him to one-on-one cover guys you can't ask him to one-on-one Tyreek Hill. He's going to lose that matchup. And first of all, Sherman is almost always bracketed to the quarterback's right. So his left. He's almost always just on the left side of the field. He never follows anybody. He's his own corner. I know he hates when people say that about him, and he hates, I'm not his own corner. Yes, Richard, you're his own corner. It's fine. You have been very successful being his own corner. Just own up to being his own corner. You're not a true, like, press man cover guy. You're not like a Darrell Revis type guy who just follows everybody and puts them on an island. It's okay to not be those guys. What you're doing is working. That's fine. But I don't, Sherman is not going to move. He's going to be on the, on the right side um, of Mahomes. So that means on the left side, right, they're probably going to keep Tyreek Hill on the left. And that means they're going to force Sherman to either follow him or, more likely, they're not going to like capitulate to the to Kansas City. They're going to keep Sherman on the right. Uh, on Mahomes' is right, his left. And then they're going to move Tyreek Hill, probably across formation, right, motion him like they do a lot to see if it's man, to see if it's zone. And most of the time it's going to be zone. And uh, I think you have to pick your poison when it comes to uh, Mahomes in that offense. If you play zone, Right, you have a better chance of of eliminating the big play, but Mahomes can find the holes in the zone. If you play man, you are trying to cover Sammy Watkins, who was an elite first round pick and has been playing better. You have Tyreek Hill, who's the fastest guy in the league, and then you have Travis Kelsey, who's a mismatch. So that offense is so explosive and has so many weapons that I just don't see 
how the weaker part of San Francisco's defense can match up on either zone or match up in man. Because the only way you think you can try to do is confuse Mahomes at the beginning, confuse him in, in, in covered situations, right? Like make him think, oh, it's man, wait, no, it's zone, right? Oh, wait, no, and then he's got to diagnose it on the fly. That's your only. That's the only thing you can do. I don't know if San Francisco can do that. Now, I know San Francisco can get pressure on the quarterback, and that's huge. But I think Mahomes is going to be able to audible to the right call, diagnose the pressure at front of him. I'm not saying he's not going to get sacked. I'm not saying that that's not going to be a thing, but I think Mahomes is playing so great right now, and he's and he is working that offense to a T, and I think when you have Andy Reid, who's one of the best offensive-minded coaches in the league, who sits there and goes, okay, this is what the best thing that that defense does, which is rush the passer right, and stop the run. That's fine. Kansas City runs the ball probably the least and of anyone in the NFL. They are a pass-centric team. They want to be a pass-centric team. They want to pass the ball. And I think that's probably the only reason they were able to come back 24 nothing down on te- on uh, on the Texans and they were able to you know just outscore the Titans because they don't care about running the ball they really just care about moving the ball down the field and scoring points and Mahomes is probably one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen play I mean he is that good there's not a throw he can't make he knows exactly where to go with the football. He diagnoses everything. I mean, if you look at the quarterback matchup between him and Garoppolo, he definitely wins that matchup. I'm not saying Garoppolo isn't a good quarterback, but Mahomes is light years ahead, just just on that level. He's like the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning of this era, and there's nobody else that's even remotely close to that tier. There just isn't. In, in the young quarterbacks in today's game, there's not a single quarterback that's even in the same class as Mahomes. He's just on another level. Now, going back to the offensive side for San Francisco, they have weapons, it's true. They probably have the best tight end out of the two, but you're watching the two best tight ends in football play this play this weekend, which is also pretty amazing, right? You have Tra- uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, and I think Kittle's better. One, because Kittle, is, I think, is an elite blocker, and two, because that dude is just an absolute monster. That dude just loves play in the game of football. Travis Kelsey is too, but I think Travis Kelsey sometimes takes plays off. Kittle never takes play off. That dude is a monster. His motor is unstoppable. I love watching George Kittle play football. He puts a smile on my face when he got, when he blocks, when he catches a pass and trucks a dude over. I mean, he is a beast. Other than George Kittle, obviously they have Debo Samuels, the rookie out of uh, South Carolina. He has had a pretty good season. He's had some drops. He's had some fumbles. So he's got to be shorthanded. But he is a pretty fast guy. They use him a lot on those uh, end-around plays or those jet sweeps. And they get the ball to him in space, and he can make plays. Uh, Manny Sanders, another guy, obviously came over from Denver um, in in a trade this year. He's a guy who's a good possession wide receiver. But they don't really have a true number one at wide receiver for San Francisco. They have a lot of guys that can play well. But 
I think their running backs, they probably have three of the best running backs in football, and they're a run-heavy team. They just are. And it's going to be interesting to see if Kansas City uh, can stop the run. They did a pretty good job against Derrick Henry, I think. And so I think their ability to be able to stop the run helps. But I think also the fact that Tennessee stopped running the ball in that game and they really started passing. So it's going to be interesting to see because I think what you're going to see is they're going to run the ball until it doesn't work anymore. And then Shanahan's going to come up with ways to get the ball to players in space that he wants. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think it's going to be more low scoring than people think. I kind of think it's going to be like in the high 20s, like maybe like like 27, 24, so, something like that. We're almost on the cusp of 30, but I don't see like collect I don't see any team scoring more than 30 points. Maybe Kansas City gets there like maybe 30 points, but I don't see anybody going like over 35. I think this is going to be pretty low scoring. I think it's going to be a really good game. I just don't see if you're trying to tell me that say the game's like the game's tied like 21-21 or something, right? And Mahomes gets the ball with 3 minutes left. I just don't know how you stop that guy. I just don't know how you stop that guy with three minutes left in the game. I think he's just gonna he's just gonna go down the field and he's gonna score and he's gonna and you're gonna win. I just don't see how that happens. So again, that's my take on it. You guys can you guys can disagree with me 100 percent Again, you guys can email me. That's therantEli at gmail.com. Let me know what you guys think, what your Super Bowl picks are. Uh, I'm gonna get into some some gambling picks later this week as well. Uh, some good prop prop bets out there i'm going to give you guys some uh, interesting prop bets to to bet on as uh as well once i kind of break down the actual overall uh the line and then and, and plus the over under and all that stuff i'll give you guys that later in the week as you go through all the gambling stuff um again some good prop bets out there too i know the, the super bowl betters love the prop bets uh the coin flip all that stuff but i have a good one that i think everyone Everyone should bet on. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to hit almost 100%. Anyway, that's called a tease. And that's going to get you guys to listen to the next episode when I got, we talk about the uh, gambling picks. So a tease to a pick, I think you can 100% make money off of. And that'll be told in the next episode. So go ahead and make sure you listen to that one. Again, you guys can follow me on Instagram at the rant with Eli. You can email me the rant Eli at gmail.com and you can follow me on the Twitter at the rant Eli. Thanks a lot guys for listening again. Um, I hope everybody has a great week. I hope everybody uh, strives to let everybody know how much uh, in their lives they care about those people. They love friends, families, whoever, uh, continue to move forward, everybody. Uh, keep just keep grinding, and uh, just remember, life is short, so you know, live it to the fullest. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, guys. I will I will definitely come back with the with another episode here very soon, um, and I will see you guys when I see you.